Kia ora, I'm Georgia. I'm Catherine. And you're listening to... Pimpod! lovely listeners and welcome to this week's episode of Parapod. How are you Georgia? I'm good. How are you? How many how many weeks are you now? Um 24 weeks. 24. I love how you have yeah. to really think about that. You know, definitely know you're know. <laughs> into number 3 now. <laughs> I know. Matt said the other day, "What like fruit is this baby?" Not a clue. Like, I haven't looked at the app. Well, like, I don't even know when I'm due, <laughs> let alone what fruit no, I am. I, it's it's terrible, isn't it? I just haven't stayed on top of things at all. But you know, there's other things going on in the world. Exactly. Yeah, you're kept busy by your other two little boys. <laughs> yeah, I love this one just just as much, you know. But for now. In pregnancy, I'm a bit, I'm slacking. Yeah, this. you're a bit preoccupied. Any, like, you know, yoga or anything. <laughs> a bit preoccupied. Fair enough. Um, classic third child. Oh, yeah, it's just going to be the story of its life. So just getting it used to it now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, Georgia, <laughs> you got the big C again. Oh, my gosh. I just can't believe it. Like, I actually can't. But, yeah, we got it again. No, well, I got it again. Oh. And it was different to the first time, but still pretty bad. Like I was still in bed for about three days, probably even oh longer. I mean, as much as like as much as you can, you have two kids. But um, classic. Harry actually also had hand, foot, and mouth at the same time. Which what on earth? I feel like last time we spoke, I was like. Oh, I've been sick again. Surely this will be the end of it. And then it was like, here, yeah. have hand, foot, and mouth, and have COVID again. Oh. So. And hand, foot, and mouth is just so miserable. Oh, it's really grim. Like, it's actually quite gross. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's so gross. Yeah. I just can't believe it. I was thinking, it's the end of October. Mm. You're on the home stretch. It's basically, it's not winter anymore. It's definitely not winter anymore. Definitely is it? not. Yeah. We're heading like full steam ahead to summer. This should be behind yeah. us. I can't believe it's happened again to I you. I know. I know. I was almost relieved to like oh. when I did the, because I did a COVID test because I'd been at a wedding and a couple of other people tested positive And I was like, but oh, do you know what? Yeah. I honestly think I had it before the wedding because I started showing symptoms the day after the wedding. So I think I had it before. Yeah, I was probably the sense. one that spread it, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> Um, Bloody yeah, culture, the probably. <laughs> hey, hopefully it's then and not at my own wedding coming up. But yes, yes, it yeah. Words. When I saw that the COVID test was positive, I was almost relieved because I was like, oh, at least it's not just another flu because I've already had two of them. Like it, I don't know. It almost felt relieved that it was COVID and not another flu. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, at least it's it's not the unknown anymore yeah. with COVID and thank god it's this like at this point away from your wedding because mm. you've got a month now haven't yeah we you? do and sh- hopefully you'll be you know like the, isn't your immune system better just after you've had I it think so. I think so I hope so I've got my hand still in a couple of weeks so hopefully I'll just be like peak 
immunity from then right through to the wedding and everyone else's and it'll all be fine it's perfect you deserve the best summer ever after such a tough long winter oh the kids do and to be honest like you guys have been exactly the same everyone has been in the same boat like gosh it's not just us but I think everyone deserves a break yes and can we just I don't know who we write to but can we just not have a repeat next week yeah like who do we ask I'll sign the petition <laughs> for that that yeah <laughs> yeah I don't want a sequel to this horrific oh. show of a movie we've had this oh winter. my god <laughs> no thank you especially not you with a newborn in the house <laughs> Oh, yeah. I think that's actually the thing someone said to me, what are you most nervous about with having number three? Is it like managing all three of them? Or, you know, is it the sleepless nights? A hundred percent, it's the sickness. I'm just, yeah. I just don't want the baby to get, you know, like RSV when they're really young. Yeah. And because when you only have one, like when they're a newborn, if they're not in preschool or anything, they don't really get sick. They might get like a little sniffle. Yes. And then number two, if the older one's at preschool, you're like, oh, my God, you poor thing. You're so sick at such a young age. And you kind of don't – you don't really get it when you've just got one, I think. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, true. And I think because – Like you just don't get get that sickness. The older one gets it older, don't they? Yeah, like when they're in preschool. But more robust. Poor newborns who've got older siblings who bring home their – like all their loveliness from preschool – and they're just not, Aww. they're not old enough, are they, really, to deal with it? No. But no. Touchwood will be fine. Yeah. We'll just have a quarantine <laughs> in our home. Yeah. Hey, not a bad idea. And I feel like wearing masks and all that, that's all, I mean, obviously, that's all okay. But, you know, it really is all okay now if you want to do that. That's true. And hand washing, like our preschool has got so yeah. hand washing. Thank yeah. goodness. Yeah. Do you know, I need, just need to mention this. Second children, I don't even know where to begin. Lots of people said to me, oh, the second child is the one that gets you, you know. And the stubbornness on that child oh, really? is next level. We, we had, he had a meltdown about me not carrying his scooter for him when we were out for a walk the other day and I was with the two boys. In that situation... I know I can, I usually can talk you down and we'll, we'll, mm. you know, we'll, we'll come to a compromise and that'll be fine. There might be some tears. But we got to the stage where I had to pull the, do you know what, we're going without you and you can just stay here if you want, but we are going. Yeah. And so Hugh and I walked to the end of the road. He was safe. It's quite pedestrianized. Yeah. And, and said, like, bye, you know, have a lovely evening. Hope you get some sleep here tonight and <laughs> walked walked off in with my firstborn that would be like tears hysteria yeah come. running after you <laughs> yeah a hundred percent Hector just watched me leave couldn't like completely emotionless couldn't have cared less less that I was walking I like hid around the corner Hugh was obviously wondering what the hell was going on <laughs> and Hector just waited until I'd left and then, like, I shit you not, walked into the ice cream shop on our street. <gasps> no way! I was like, hang on, where is he going? Where is he going? What's he doing? Yep, straight into the ice cream shop. And then you're, I was like, what do I do now? Not only could he not care less that I've just left him, but 
what do, how do I now get him out of the ice cream shop? Yeah. He had the confidence to go there on his own. Like, what was his game plan? Was he just going to go yeah. and get himself an ice cream and be like, do you know what? Fair enough. She's gone. Life's better. I'll I make know. myself comfortable. I know. Oh, wait, <laughs> um, So, And I was like, I have nothing. I have nothing in like my parenting playbook. What do I? I've got nothing left to take out of my bag. No, I was like, I don't know what to do in this situation. I've never dealt with this like level of stubbornness before. Um, they so, always say that your middle child yeah. can be like the wild one and the one that really pushes you, don't they? Yeah. I can started early see that he doesn't he really doesn't care uh like is that in your family because in our family it's the second I'm one of three and my sister who's the second is definitely the stubborn one who pushed my parents no I no probably not Hannah is so easygoing very chilled go with the flow so probably not in our family, actually. I'd say Nicole, the oldest, was the one that probably pushed the boundaries. I'll ask mum, but I think she'll agree with me. Okay. And I was the angel third, of course. Obviously. 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 My sister's probably, say, spoiled, but, you <laughs> That's know. That's classic third child, isn't it? They're like, yeah. They're so spoiled. Mum, they get away with everything. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, maybe. <laughs> oh, I'll, um, if anyone has some second child tips, please throw them my way because yeah, he's going to give me a run for my money. Anyway, I ended up having to get them both a bloody ice cream and carrying the scooters <laughs> home. So <laughs> I massively so he, lost. He really won. Oh, he that's so good. really won. <laughs> <laughs> as um, long as Hugh doesn't get any ideas from him. No, it's, do you know what? Hugh's that classic eldest child he's like mommy Hector's really not listening to you is he Uh, and like a people pleaser yeah yeah Yeah. oh dear yeah (laughs) it's the stereotypes um yeah we should probably get into this week's episode yes yeah this is a probably um just a bit of a warning on this one we are speaking about um postnatal anxiety and depression so Mm. if this is not um, if you're not in a place to hear about this, then yeah, perhaps switch this episode off now. But it does have some really, really helpful tips in there. Mm. So um, we hope that this is helpful for um, if you're listening for you. Yeah. Yep. Here we go. This week, we're lucky enough to have Dr. Caitlin Northern back with us. If you haven't listened already, Caitlin recorded two awesome episodes with us earlier in the year, one on periods and one on contraception. They were so incredibly useful to us and many of our listeners, Caitlin. So thank you so much. And thank you for agreeing to come back again to chat with us. For those of you who don't know, Caitlin lives in Napier, is married to fellow Dr. Matt and is mama to her absolutely beautiful nine-month-old Archer. Caitlin is a GP and partner in a practice in Napier. After graduating, she completed a postgraduate certificate in women's health during a six-month placement in in obstetrics and gynecology. She is an absolute fountain of knowledge for all things health from vaccines to women's health to COVID and today Caitlin has agreed to chat to us about something that so many of you have requested, postnatal depression and postnatal anxiety. This is something that isn't talked about and shared enough so we can't wait to have all of our questions answered. Before we get into things, we have to ask Caitlin, how is mum live and how is we Archer going? It's good. He's great. He's very full on. He's crawling everywhere at high speed and 
pulling to stand on everything and he just doesn't stop moving but he's lots of fun yeah <laughs> that's such a such a busy age isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah it's very full on yeah but yeah he's lovely he's just got such a nice nature oh that's so lovely and have you started like having to reconfigure uh, ornaments and coffee tables. Yes. And- <laughs> yeah, I was googling how to baby-proof pot plants. Because oh. we have a few of those. When you uh. find out, let me know. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's these gr- these grid kind of things that you can buy on AliExpress oh, that yeah. you can sit on top of the soil to for that side of things. I don't know how you protect the leaves from those being pulled off. Yeah. Harry oh, yeah. used to go and like just pick up handfuls of dirt and just throw them. But it's amazing how he doesn't, they're not even, both kids actually are just not even interested in them now, which is really, really good. Oh, that's good. I was wondering when does it end? Yeah. You know, what kind of time frame <laughs> yeah. am I looking at here? Yeah, when no, they're still does. like nine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Eating soil. <laughs> uh, I'm sure some kids do. And that's Probably. okay. Probably. <laughs> um, so, Caitlin, before we dive straight into into postnatal depression, are you able to explain to us a little bit more about what happens to us hormonally postpartum? I remember seeing that. I think Georgia sent me that uh, picture where it's like a few days postpartum. Is it your hormones just ghost you? <laughs> it was like a meme that was going yeah. around. Yeah, they just but, crash. Um, is that? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. <laughs> is that what happens? Yeah, what goes on? Yeah, so during pregnancy, your estrogen levels are super, super high. Mm-hmm. Once the baby's born, and the placenta especially, those that level of estrogen just completely drops dramatically. It crashes. Right. And if you're breastfeeding, then the level actually goes down even lower than what it normally would be. Ah, right. The progesterone levels drop as well, so they're also high during the end of the pregnancy. So both of those hormones dropping is pretty similar to the hormonal change that happens with menopause. So except except with with menopause for most people, unless you're unlucky enough to have your ovaries removed surgically, for most people menopause is something that happens over, you know, 10 10 years just really gradually. Oh, wow. But this is like going through menopause in the space of a few days. So it's no wonder that you feel pretty odd. And you can end up with all of those same symptoms that people get with menopause, like the night sweats, the achy joints, and the mood changes. So lots of fun. Gosh, that's Ooh. so much going on when you also have a small person to look after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've, you've got your adrenaline running on high for those first few days usually as well, which, you know, which can also play havoc with things. Mm. You're coming to terms with how the birth went. You're getting used to this new person in your life. Then you've got the oxytocin, which is the bonding hormone. Uh, normally there's high levels of that in the days and weeks following birth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sort of helps give new parents that lovely contented feeling. And it also helps to stimulate the breast milk production. But if there's lots of stress going on, then that can affect the production of the oxytocin. Right. right. And reduce it. So that's you know something else that can complicate things. Ah, okay. Gosh, there is a lot going on, isn't there? Yeah. I didn't realize that um like achy joints was one. I hadn't I had hadn't yeah. experienced that. Is that something that you could get like I feel like I'm like I'm my milk's kind of drying up, flows weaning herself and my joints have been really achy. Is that just a coincidence? Oh, interesting. 
No, it could definitely be to do with it. And people often feel really down as well during mm. those couple of weeks when they wean, right. even if they've only been doing like one feed a day or, you know, even less than that. Yeah. Um, you do go through a further hormonal change when you when you do completely wean and that can really affect people mm. as well as just the emotional side of finishing yeah. such a yeah. you know, such an important journey for a lot of people. Yeah. Mm. Ah, interesting. Gosh, we have um, it tough. Yeah, we do. <laughs> as if giving birth wasn't enough. <laughs> I know. And is it true that there are key days when we're likely to feel the most emotional or anxious, such as when our milk's coming in? Yes, I was doing some reading around um, the research with with that link between your milk coming in and, and the baby blues. And when I was when I was doing the reading, I found this really great quote from 1875. Oh, yeah. A man called George Savage. Don't ask me who George <laughs> Savage is. But he says, about two days after delivery, some women become excited, sleepless, and incoherent. This is called milk fever and coincides with the beginning of the flow of milk. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it does correlate with your milk coming yeah. in. Yeah. Accurate. And that's to do with the big drop in progesterone after birth. That's the main thing that triggers your body to produce the mature breast milk. Oh. And that big drop in progesterone is also thought to be the main cause of the baby blues. Ah, okay. So, yeah, they are linked. And what's is that normally, mm. when does your milk come in? Is it day between like three and five or something? Yeah, okay. yeah roughly. Ah, okay. So that's when you get extra weepy. Yeah, yeah. You just spend all day crying, or a few days for no reason. <laughs> oh gosh, yes. Oh, for me, it was like a whole month. I think Archer was about a month old, and I was like, "Oh wow, I haven't cried today." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was the same with Harry. I was just yeah, every day crying for no reason, and then with Flo, it was like one day, and I was almost waiting wow. for it. I was like, "Is this going to keep happening?" <laughs> Did you have it, Catherine? I was just trying to think. I. No, I, d- I don't remember having it. I definitely felt a bit anxious the first time round. But yeah. then second time round, no. I remember watching like sir, I remember watching a David Attenborough documentary and bawling my eyes out on like day five. Because I was just like, oh my gosh, what world are we leaving our children? This is horrific. And worrying about it far too much. But no, I was, I, yeah, I think I was quite lucky with that. So what, what are the baby blues? So basically it's when you feel really sad, teary or emotional in those very early days after having the baby. I've heard them referred to as the baby pinks for some people as well because it's not always necessarily that you feel really sad. Okay. Some some people find it to be an overwhelming happiness. Oh, okay. But it's more just sort of the intensity of the, the emotions that's really, really full on. Ah, uh, okay. And is, the, is, it like a, is it a medical diagnosis? Like, you know, I have the baby blues. No, not really. Okay. No. Okay. So it's just more a period of your time where you just feel that way. And how when would you expect it to to stop? So usually it's that sort of 2 to 3 week period. Okay. But yeah, it can be a bit variable and like I said for me for me it was probably more than that, more like 4 weeks or yeah. even 5 weeks. Okay. okay. So then what what is postnatal depression? How does that differ from the baby blues? So postnatal depression is more than just the baby blues. Mm-hmm. It's defined as a pr- depressive episode which occurs within a year of giving birth. 
And the key feature really is a lack of enjoyment of life and a lack of enjoyment of your baby. Okay. We sometimes talk about perinatal depression because it can start in pregnancy too. Right. Or perinatal mental distress, which encompass, encompasses symptoms other than depression. It's really common. We think it affects up to one in five people after birth. Okay. Oh, wow. And it doesn't, also doesn't just affect the birthing parents. So dads or non-birthing parents can also be affected by it. Okay. And it's really easy for that to go under the radar because people mm. just aren't expecting it. Yeah. Mm. There's lots of aspects that we look at when we're assessing whether someone might have depression. And some of these are completely transferable to postnatal depression. Mm-hmm. Things like not being able to find pleasure in things, low self-esteem, self-loathing or excessive guilt. Right. But some of the other symptoms are a lot trickier to tease out in the postnatal period. Things like sleep disturbance, weight, uh, appetite okay. changes, loss of libido. Yeah. Yeah. Which can all just be a normal part of having a newborn. <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay. So when would you when would you start maybe questioning that you didn't just have the baby blues and it might be postnatal depression? Well, I guess one important thing to say here is that you don't have to know. Right. Okay. We as doctors go to medical school to learn how to diagnose this kind of stuff. So if you're ever unsure, there's no shame in having a chat with your GP or your midwife and it's their job to figure it out, not yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, having yeah. a baby is a pretty massive adjustment and sometimes it can be hard to make sense of what you're feeling and to know what's expected as part of that. In saying that, though, the time frame is one big thing. Mm-hmm. So the baby blues should really only last about two or three weeks. Yeah. Like I said, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a um a range there. So for some people it lasts longer, for some people it doesn't happen at all. Okay. The other things to consider are how pervasive your symptoms are, how severe they are, and whether they're getting better or worse. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a spectrum and someone might be at the severe end of the baby blues where they still feel tearful and emotional after three weeks but they can still find decent periods of happiness and contentment during the day. They're enjoying their baby. They've got lots of support and they feel like that dark cloud is, is kind of lifting over time. Right. And that's someone that, you know, that might decide that they're happy to just monitor things themselves. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, some big red flags would be if you're having thoughts about harming yourself or harming your baby, mm-hmm. then it's really, really important to ask for help. A lot of people get worried in those situations that we might take their baby away yeah. and, that, and that prevents them from seeking help. Yeah. But that would be incredibly rare for us, you know, for that to ever happen. Okay. And that would be sort of more in the situation of someone having postpartum psychosis rather than depression. Okay. Okay. So you shouldn't and feel embarrassed to say you're feeling those, you're having those thoughts. No, no, definitely not. Mm. And it, it, it's super common. And what should we do if we feel like maybe this has actually affected our partner? Because like you said, it does, it can affect dads or the non-birthing parent. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm not 100% sure, but I think potentially a lot of the funding might not cross over to non-birthing parents necessarily. Right. Because it's often sort of based around... Uh it can have quite a heteronormative kind of setup where it's just based around the mum or the person who gave birth. Yeah. Um, but definitely it would be the same right. sort of starting point of having a chat with, with your midwife if you're still under them or having a chat to your GP or your partner's GP and, mm. you know, and just going from there because there would still be plenty of options. Yeah. 
Okay. I was just going to say, I guess sometimes just having the conversation is so helpful, isn't it? You know, it's that first step. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think being aware that it isn't, it doesn't just affect mums. Like it can, you know, it's important Mm. to know that the non-birthing parent to make sure that they are okay as well, Mm. because I think so much emphasis goes on making sure that the mum's okay, but you know, the other parent has gone through a massive change in their life as well. So it's important to be checking in on them. Yeah, yeah. And they can often feel quite left out because everything's all about the mum and the baby Mm. and supporting them and, yeah. And then, so is postnatal depression, is it linked to, like, your hormones postnatally or is is it something completely separate that just so happens to happen at that point of your life because it's so different and the huge stress? I think it's a bit of both of those things. Yeah. There's just so Mm. much going on, isn't there, for your entire family? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, it's a huge Mm. adjustment. So then if we talk about postnatal anxiety, how is that different? On a a basic level, depression is about having low mood, whereas anxiety is more about feeling worried about things. And it's, it's when that worry is excessive that we would call it anxiety rather than just natural worry that people have. Okay. Uh, it's really common and it's another one where people can struggle to know what's quite mm. normal because having a small human to look after is naturally pretty anxiety provoking. Mm. Yeah. But again, it's about how severe it is and how pervasive. So is it getting in the way of you being able to live your life the way you want to? Or is it getting in the way of you being able to enjoy your baby? Because there's a, there's a huge crossover with the way that we kind of think it works in the brain between depression yeah. and anxiety. Okay. There was, actually, there was actually a big study that just came out recently that completely flipped on its head our understanding of what causes depression. So... We thought that it was to do with low serotonin in the brain, but this study suggests that it's not. Hence why we treat both depression and anxiety with medications that increase the serotonin levels in the brain. So we don't actually know why those medications work. Oh gosh, it's like back to square one. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, there there is a huge crossover anyway between depression and anxiety. Um, If you go to your GP and they suggest going on medication and is that something that you can can you continue to breastfeed if that's something that you're doing while you're on medication yeah absolutely and even during pregnancy Mm. as well that's something that a lot of people worry about Mm. especially if you've already had depression in the past and you might already be on a medication for managing your depression or your anxiety oh so you can continue the one that's got yeah, absolutely. Oh, so the medication in particular that's got the most research around it and we think has the lowest levels of crossing over the placenta and crossing through breastfeeding is one called mm-hmm. sertraline, which is really common. But the other important thing is that actually if people are already on something else, like they're already on escitalopram or they're on fluoxetine, and their depression or anxiety is well managed on those things, then there's no need right. to change. Okay. Okay. Those yeah, those medications are still really safe in pregnancy mm-hmm. and breastfeeding. Oh, that's and great. The thing is the thing that the thing is that people think that they're comparing being on the medication to not being on the medication, but that's not really comparing apples with apples. It's 
we should be thinking about comparing being on the medication and not having terrible depression mm. anxiety versus not being on the medication and you know risking being in a really bad place mm. mentally that's which, so which true. we know has massive implications yeah, for the baby yeah. so it's so much better you know even if even if there is a tiny risk from being on those medications it's you know it's a much smaller risk than than being mm. really mentally unwell for sure yeah oh that's really reassuring mm, yeah, to know i think um so there's lots of focus on postnatal depression but people can experience other problems can't they in like the perinatal and postnatal period what other things can you experience or might you experience yeah so many things and and probably too Mm -hmm. many to cover I briefly mentioned postpartum psychosis before which is a really important Mm -hmm. one so psychosis if anyone's not sure what that is it's when there's a significant distortion of reality. So people can have hallucinations, seeing or hearing things that aren't there, and also delusions where you believe things that aren't oh, true. Wow. This can this can happen for people for the first time ever after giving birth. And as you can imagine, it's pretty scary mm, for them and yeah. for everyone around them. And it's that's treated as an emergency. Right. Um it's not a mental illness, but uh, something else that's worth mentioning is neurodivergent conditions like Asperger's or autism Mm. spectrum and ADHD Mm -hmm. so ADHD for instance can make some parts of caring for a baby really really hard and overwhelming and it might mean that parents need to think about some different strategies to manage that and might need to get help for that and another really important one to mention is postpartum rage or mum rage (laughs) it's called yeah another big one and it's super common because we get so sleep deprived. Mm. There's so many demands on us, but it's really hard to talk about because there's still that stigma that if you're not this ultra zen yoga mum the whole time, <laughs> then there must be something wrong with you. And so, is mum rage? Mum rage is an actual thing. Like it's not just like road rage. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not in the DSM five, which is the you know the medical criteria for diagnosing mental disorders but it's certainly a thing oh great good to know yeah and yeah super common yeah and so if if someone's feeling really angry a lot of the time is it something they can talk to their gp about oh absolutely yeah and and actually sometimes that can be a a symptom of depression underlying that Some people, for some people, depression isn't just sadness. Sometimes it can actually present itself as anger, Mm. and that's more common in men. So the other really important thing to mention is OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh, Yeah, and that's that's a lot more common than people realise. And I think it's one where there's a lot of misconceptions about what it actually is. You know, you see all those memes, oh, I'm OCD. Yeah. Mm. Or people talk about my OCD makes me, you know, have to organise my pantry perfectly. <laughs> so, yeah, I think people just, a lot of people just don't really understand what OCD is. But so there's two components to it. One of them is obsessions. And that's where a thought kind of gets stuck in your head. And a lot of those thoughts can be things that people find really scary or it takes them by surprise. Things like, um, you know, thoughts about harming your baby maybe or not you harming your baby but something really terrible happening to your baby or something happening to you 
or even feeling an urge to do those sorts of things. Um, the one that kind of, I guess, comes under that sort of same category is people talk about the call of the void, which is where you're, if you're standing by a high cliff or something and you look over the edge, you almost feel like you might jump off it. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's that same kind of thing, feeling feeling that urge to do something, even though it's something that you don't want to do or mm-hmm. it's not something that you would actually do, but you just suddenly have this thought, oh, I could do this. Yeah. And for people with OCD, that, that thought can get stuck in your head and, and you have trouble getting rid of it. And so then it moves into compulsions, which is the other aspect of OCD, which is where people then have to repeatedly do something to try and get rid of that thought that's stuck in in their head or try and prevent the bad thing happening. So that might be things like, say, if you've got an obsessive thought about you crashing your car, then you might avoid driving that route where you always think of mm. that because you can't drive past that particular lamppost in case, in case something happens. Or it's people having to check their baby multiple times during the mm. night or, yeah. you know, doing doing little things repeatedly as a way of preventing those things happening. Mm. And that, so that's, wow, yeah. and so you can get kind of postnatal OCD or that, is that a part of? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes it'll be that, you know, people have always had, had OCD or they've had it previously and they either know about it or they don't know about it, but certainly it's something that can just come up. Um, for the first time in the postpartum period. Mm, and that's treatable as well. Right. Yep, definitely. Ah. Gosh, I had, yeah, I, whenever I think of OCD, I do, I think of like the exact memes, like cleaning your pantry or, you know, washing your hands compulsively. I didn't realise it was, it was yeah. to that extent. Yeah, me yeah. neither. And, and certainly for some people, their OCD does involve worrying about cleanliness or obsessively having to wash their hands, yeah. but that's such a small part of, of what the overall condition yeah. can, can entail. Oh. Right. And if you have, what would you suggest you, you do if potentially a good friend of yours you're concerned about that maybe, yeah, has a bit of rage or depression or that maybe what they consider the baby blues you're starting to think might be going on a bit too long, what would you suggest you did in that situation? Just have a chat with them about seeing their GP or? Yeah, I think if you're able to chat to yeah. them and just explain your concerns, then that's a really good starting mm. point. Or if you feel like you're not in a position, then maybe finding someone else who, you know, a mutual friend or their partner, if you know them, mm. who might be in a better position to mm. raise your concerns or, or, you know, or see if they've got those same concerns. Yeah. And then I guess just trying to be really supportive mm. and, and offering to walk alongside them as much as you can. So going along to that GP appointment with them or being there when their midwife comes to visit them so that you can help them bring it up. Cause sometimes it's just really hard to, for people to start that conversation. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's so hard when, you know, like, for example, in your you know, meetups with other mums, when you're all in that stage of life where it's crazy for everybody, isn't it? You know, and everyone's mm. sleep deprived. And, and yeah, I think it, someone could get quite easily lost in that or just think that it's normal and everyone else is feeling the same way. Yeah. yeah. 
that's the thing it is it is sometimes hard to know if what you're feeling is the norm Mm. when you hear about baby blues and things like that so it's yeah it's hard to know if it's something more than that yeah definitely and and there is there is such a, a spectrum with it as well there's probably sometimes it is really hard to identify when does it cross over mm. bet- from one to the other mm. Mm. um is there also something called postnatal depletion is that more toward like more about your like your body rather than like a yeah i guess that would be more of a kind of holistic type diagnosis right. Mm-hmm. which would be the nutritional side of things. And especially if people have had sev- several pregnancies back to back, it's really it can be really difficult for your body to get back to its normal stores of things like iron and zinc and that sort of mm. thing. Um, I guess also just those things that we can't really quantify or test for, like sleep, <laughs> yeah. you know, your your enthusiasm for things or your capacity to be creative and get excited for things and have alone time and self-care and all that sort of thing. I think all of that comes into it. Mm. And with postnatal depression or postnatal anxiety, are you more likely to get that if you've suffered from depression or anxiety before? Yes, unfortunately. So it's definitely something for people to be aware of if they have had either of those things before. Maybe just touching base with a trusted friend or a partner and just if you can have a think about some of your signs that you might have that other people might notice to indicate that your mental state isn't isn't as good as it could be. Mm-hmm. And just asking other people to to keep an eye out for those things, because sometimes it's really hard to identify yourself when you know when it's crossed over, mm-hmm. and especially when you're going through so much other change in your life, yeah. it can be really hard for people to identify it themselves. So it is really helpful to bring some other people on board to help with that. Mm, okay. That's such a good idea to have the conversation preemptively, isn't it? Yeah. yeah 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 or even just planning you know planning a routine catch up with your gp mm. you know say along with your six week check and so are there apart from what we've just spoken about are there any groups of people who might be at high risk of depression or anxiety in the postnatal or perinatal period yeah so the 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 ones apart from previous diagnosis the other big ones to think about would be people who might have had a really traumatic birth or perhaps their birth hasn't quite gone how they expected it to or they how they hoped it might go. Mm-hmm. That can definitely increase your risk of having postnatal depression or anxiety just, I guess, because you're not starting off on the right mm. foot. Mm. If, if you were planning to breastfeed and breastfeeding isn't going, isn't going that well, then that can also increase the risk of having postnatal depression. Yeah. And as we sort of talked about earlier, the hormones overlap a lot as well. So it's a bit of a two-way street with the, with the breastfeeding and the low mood. And if your mood is low, then that makes breastfeeding harder and it reduces those hormones that promote the breastfeeding. And then that kind of goes back in the other direction and makes, makes your mood worse oh, as well. Yeah. Also people who don't have much support around them so that could be single parents or or teenage parents potentially Mm -hmm. 
if you you know if you don't have family living around you or you don't have many friends who are in the same kind of life stage then that can definitely make it a lot more difficult as Mm. well and so Caitlin when if we are feeling worried and we think that perhaps you know we aren't aren't feeling great when should we seek help and you know we've already mentioned going to the GP but from there what help is available to us so definitely seek help early and the earlier the better. There's mm-hmm. there's no shame in it and it's much easier to treat and to recover from mild mental illness than severe. Right. Okay. There's a huge range of treatment options. A lot of people might think that it's just medication, but there's definitely lots of other options. For most things, some form of counselling will be the first option. Mm-hmm. The really tricky thing here is that access to counselling in New Zealand can unfortunately be a bit hit and miss. Right. If you can afford to pay privately or if you've got insurance or a family member or a workplace who can pay, then finding your own psychologist can be a really good option. As clinical psychologists have done a degree as well as postgraduate training in this. So they've got a huge amount of knowledge Mm. in treating all sorts of symptoms and conditions. It's possible to access clinical psychologists through the public health system too, but as you can imagine, they're in quite high demand. Mm, yeah. So if you can afford to go privately, then that's a really good way of doing it. Obviously, there's there's lots of really fantastic counsellors out there too who aren't clinical psychologists, and a lot of it is just about who you click with. And yeah. the most important thing is that you feel like you can talk to that mm. person and open up to them because otherwise you're just not going to get anywhere. Yeah. So sometimes it takes a bit of trial and error to find the right person. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have to be a little bit creative because of those access issues. So sometimes it might be speaking to a counsellor over Zoom or it's seeing um, like a lot of practices now have got people working working with them called HIPs or health improvement practitioners. And there are people who've, done specific training in brief interventions which is you know just having like a 20 or 30 minute session where they go through what's going on going on for you and it's not about counseling or talking about your problems necessarily but it's about finding finding solutions to what's going on and and coming up with options you know collaboratively yeah so that's a really good option there's there's lots of um, there's lots of websites, apps and online res- resources that people will often be directed to as well. And then of course, if, if you've gone through all of those sorts of things and it hasn't, hasn't helped or it hasn't helped enough or things are really severe from the start, then medication is also an option. Okay. Okay. I guess it's making that first step, which is probably the hardest bit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I feel like you've answered so many, so many questions for us. Thank you so, so much. I feel like I've learned a lot about that postnatal period. It is, when you think about it, it's just so much happening. Yeah. Yeah, there really mm. is. And you're so sleep deprived. <laughs> I think that it just really tops it all yeah. off, doesn't it? Mm. Oh, thank you so much, Caitlin. <laughs> that's all right thanks so much for listening we hope you enjoyed that episode um if you did you would really appreciate it if you could like or subscribe um wherever you listen and you can also find us on instagram at parentpod.nz we hope you have a great week see you next week bye